When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Player Profiler Posse, we are back. This is First Mover. We're going to look at the initial pricing release for the Week 13 DFS slate. And we've got a very interesting slate to talk about. A couple of potential blow-up spots. We've got a game above a 50-game total for the first time in God knows how long. So with that, let's jump in. I am Hilo, and this is First Mover. So as was discussed, we've got an interesting slate on the backdrop of the 2023 season. So let's take a look at kind of what we got to work with here. We've got some game totals to talk about. And the first kind of glaring takeaway looking at some of these spots this week is the median game total is higher than we have seen in some time. Fast, or I guess backtrack to four weeks ago. And we had a very similar slate to what this one is shaping up to be. And that was one where we had, again, a higher median game total. The score required to ship major GPPs in that week was about 245 points. We look at kind of the overall macro perspective of the NFL this season and DFS in particular, the scores that we've needed to ship GPPs have been somewhere around the 230-point mark. Last week, in a very strange week, 215 points was shipping major GPPs. So we have this kind of hangover and psychological effect coming in, but we need to understand that this slate does have some points expected to be scored. So we're likely going to need more than 215 to 230 points overall to ship major GPPs. And that's a very important distinction to understand coming into this slate. So with that, we know we've got a 43 game total here in the Colts and the Titans, a 50 game total. Yay. Finally in the Miami dolphins and the Washington commanders. How is that possible? The Washington commanders obviously are the pass heaviest team in the league. And we know Miami can put up points in a hurry. We also know that the commanders struggle with deep passing. Not exactly what you want coming in with Tyreek Hill coming into town. We've got the Chargers and the Patriots with a 40 game total. The Broncos and the Texans. This one seems interesting. 46 and a half. The Cardinals and the Steelers, 40.0. The Lions and the Saints, 46 points. This is a very interesting one to talk about as well. 
Why is that Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid expected to miss this week? We've got the Falcons and the Jets. Okay, 34 points. We can uh, we can just skim on by that one here. We've got the Panthers and the Buccaneers, 37 points with a lot of moving pieces with your Carolina Panthers. Basically cleaned house uh, and fired the entire coaching staff, except the offensive coordinator and the running backs coach. Um, we've got the 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles in a battle of the top two teams in the NFC. 46 and a half game total, and then the Browns and the Rams at 39 and a half. So again, the overall kind of macro perspective here is we're expecting some points to be scored this week, which is more or less a departure of kind of what we've seen this season. Before we get into some of these game environments, let's take a quick break to hear from the Podfather about the DFS Dominator. DFS getting harder every year, but we're here to make it easier with the DFS Dominator because I know a lot of optimizers keep coming out. Oh, our optimizer. What about this optimizer? But that optimizer. Well, we have a cash game optimizer that leverages the projections from Dario, Billy, the award-winning projections at playerprofiler.com and builds the best lineups for cash games that have both upside and stability because that's what you want. It's a couple clicks, boom, boom, boom. You get the best possible lineup for your cash games. But for tournaments, traditional optimizers don't work. That's why we have a lineup genius, which takes you through the process of building lineups the way they should be built. Which quarterbacks do you want to be overweight on? Then building stacks, then setting runbacks, then optimizing, and generating up to 150 lineups that you can easily import into DraftKings, into FanDuel. That's the DFS Dominator. It's only $45. A year, not not a week, a, a year, a year. Just go to Player Profiler, click on the DFS Dominator from the menu, and you won't be sorry. And we're back, baby. Let's talk about this slate, shall we? I'm going to bring up DraftKings. We'll go through, and we're actually going to try and build a roster uh, early in the week, which is difficult to do sometimes, but... We're going to take a swing. And as you see, Mr. Tyreek Hill is already loaded in there for us. Uh, Tyreek Hill, absolutely bonkers, absurd season. He has gone over 100 yards, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. Uh, failed to do so only four times. And now gets a Washington Commanders defense that struggles with the seven to nine routes. What does that mean? They are giving up the highest rate of explosive plays through the air. Again, not exactly a recipe for success with Tyreek Hill coming to town. I would say the only way that Tyreek Hill does not put up 100 yards and potentially add a touchdown in this spot. And again, he scored in all but two games this season. So very likely that Tyreek Hill puts up 100 yards and a score, which again, on the backdrop of kind of how we introduced this show we're likely going to need some points to be scored. So it is never a bad idea to lock up 30 fantasy points that we can kind of pencil Tyree Kill in in this spot. He is, you're going to have to pay. He's 9,600. Do we have the value to be able to fit in Tyree Kill? I would say, yes, we do. And it is with those New Orleans Saints that we just talked about. We're expecting Chris Olave, who was concussed 
We're expecting him to miss week 13. Very, very difficult if you, no kidding, were concussed and enter the concussion protocol to clear in time for the following game. Rashid Shahid is also dealing with uh, a quad injury that he picked up in week 12. And we have a little bit of conflicting reports. We have coach speak that are saying he's day to day. And then we have the primary beat writer for the Saints, Nick Underhill, saying that he's highly likely to miss this week's game. Now, I would expect him to miss this week's game. So now we have the two top. Oh, and oh, by the way, we have Michael Thomas on injured reserve. So we have the top three wide receivers for the New Orleans Saints expecting to miss this contest. So do we have the value? A lot of people, I think, are going to try and jam in Alvin Kamara this week, expecting him to see a robust roll through the air. And while that's not necessarily like a bad process or a bad idea, I do think that the matchup against linebackers in for the Lions that are extremely athletic. And now the Lions have for, faced or allowed, however you want to picture that, only the fifth fewest running back targets this season. So do we expect Alvin Kamara to be more involved in the pass game? Yes. Do we expect this team to try and get creative with maybe a Taysom Hill? Yes. But the primary wide receiver for this game is very likely to be rookie A.T. Perry. Now, A.T. Perry, what looking at his collegiate career, A.T. Perry was extremely adept at downfield passing. He was very, very good at these splash play type routes, these seven to nines. So we talk about a player that has the body type, the size to be a red zone target. We saw his touchdown two weeks ago. We saw or and a, a body type and, and player who has proven success working downfield. That introduces some interesting potential upside for us. Yes, the dude has three receptions this season, but we know that he started the season um, not playing. He was on injured reserve start of the season. So A.T. Perry is a guy at just 3,300 that gives us viable path to upside at a cheap cost that allows us to play guys like Tyreek Hill on this slate. So we're going to start our roster build with this core. And again, I'm going to try and keep this pod to a half hour. I think that's our sweet spot uh, for me just up here rambling. Uh, but I want to try and build a roster here. So let's see what we can do. Now, I expect Tua Tungabailoa to be very popular on this slate. He's got that juicy green 32 next to his name. So people are going to do what they can to force him in. People are going to do what they can to probably force this, this double and then be hunting for how do you bring it back with Washington. I don't know if that is the optimal path for us to take uh, on this slate. So Looking at these potential game environments, we have Indy, who we've been talking about all season as a potential team to target. But, and why is that? Because they play with pace. They We know that they are capable of opening up their offense if need be. But they're playing a Tennessee Titans team who is almost the exact opposite. They're playing with extremely low pace. They are. They want to run their offense through Derrick Henry. Hallelujah! We finally got a Derrick Henry two touchdown game last week. Um, 
So if the Titans are allowed to stay in this game, it's likely going to kind of equalize and balance out what we are targeting here when we're targeting Indianapolis. So I want to go over to San Francisco and Philly. Is this a spot where we see these players from these two teams come in with lower ownership in what could be the game of the week? And I think it might be. This is a very similar setup to last week where we were targeting the Buffalo Bills heavily. We were targeting the Philadelphia Eagles heavily. Um, and that we saw what happens when you get two top offenses that are coming together. Now, we expect San Francisco to score points. All the 49ers do is score 30-plus points with Brock Purdy under center. So regardless of the fact that San Francisco has a top defense, regardless of the fact that the field kind of views Philadelphia's defense in the same lens as they were last season, they are not the same defense. They are getting cooked through the air. So how do we attack this? And it's important to understand like how San Francisco's offense works. There's two primary things to Christian McCaffrey or not to Christian McCaffrey. The one thing that the Eagles are doing extremely well is suppressing running back production. So Christian McCaffrey kind of X'd off of my list for the slate, particularly at a nine K price. Look at a similar defense um, that they just played in Tampa Bay and Christian McCaffrey had his second or third, fourth, fourth worst game of the season. And that was a very uh, extremely pass funnel matchup. Last week, we saw Debo Samuel be the guy. Why was that? Well, they were playing a Seattle defense that ran extreme rates of zone coverage, but also were able to get to the quarterback and create pressure. Debo Samuel sees his targets per route run rate jump to almost 40% when Brock Purdy is under pressure. Now, that doesn't happen a lot because Trent Williams and because this extremely good offensive line um, and because of George Kittle, who it come, is able to stay in and block. But with a defense that is able to generate pressure, San Francisco typically runs their offense through Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey, but we kind of eliminated him here shortly uh, or a little bit ago. Also, you look at George Kittle. He was kept in to block at a higher rate against a Seattle defense that is able to generate pressure. So against Philadelphia Eagles, who their pass rush and their defensive line is the strength of this team, I think it is highly likely that we see Christian McCaffrey see some muted production in a difficult matchup. And it is highly likely that we see George Kittle in to block at a higher rate. So that leads me to this very interesting little design here of taking shots on both Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel paired up with Brock Purdy. Now we're going to still have to save some salary somewhere on this lineup with this setup. And Another kind of interesting expectation here is we have Dallas Goddard, who is miraculously attempting to come back for this game. Now, the team did not place him on injured reserve. 
knowing that he could potentially turn return within four weeks. So that's important because we know this Philadelphia Eagles is, offense is extremely concentrated without one of their primary contributors. It's AJ Brown and it's Devontae Smith. That's it. We also have, you know, the standard 14 to 18 running back carries and about 20 running back opportunities from DeAndre Swift, but we know that he does not necessarily bring elite ceiling with that profile. So I'm eliminating DeAndre Swift. And when we're talking about, do we need a bring back if we're targeting the San Francisco offense in this spot? And I would argue that we do not. Why is that? Because if, and this is if Dallas Goddard returns, it introduces a four-way primary contributor type offense as opposed to this more concentrated offense with Goddard out. So I don't think that we need a bring back, and that's because these players are priced up. If you want to bring a, run a bring back, I think Dallas Goddard, just coming off the um, couple of missed games here, is extremely interesting. But I am not going to force it this week, and I don't think that we need to force it. So we talked about needing to save some salary. How do we save some salary on the slate? Tight end is a very solid place to do so. Defense is probably going to be a solid place to do so. So let's fill in those and see if we can make this work at running back. So we're scrolled all the way down here. We're not going to the commanders. We're not going to the Patriots against the Chargers. We're not even necessarily going to Carolina against Tampa Bay. But the Broncos, could they potentially be an option for us? Look at what they've done in their five-game now win streak. Good Lord, the Broncos have played their way back into playoff consideration. Anyway, we digress. All but one game, they've been over eight points. 17, 8, 9, 16 points um, with only that 19 to 17 win over the Packers falling below. And why is that? Because they're generating turnovers. Look at this. Five turnovers against the Kansas City Chiefs. Four turnovers against the Buffalo Bills. Three against Minnesota. Three against Cleveland. This defense is playing well against Houston. Nobody's going to want to go here, but I think that they could be viable for us here uh, on this slate. So we're going to go ahead and plug in the Broncos, save some salary there where we need to, or we know that we're going to need to save some salary at tight end. So let's look, see if we got any potential options here. And I think right immediately where our eyes should be going is here with Logan Thomas in a game where we know Washington already leads the league in overall pass rate, and we know they're going to need to put up some points. Now, why does that matter to us? We want, with, with playing Tyreek Hill and kind of accepting the fact that we're paying so much for almost, I don't want to say guaranteed, but a good shot at 30 fantasy points. We want to play him smartly to where we can expect, or in a way where we it would boost the potential for Miami to keep passing. One of those ways is for Washington to see some first half success, put some points on the board. Because again, this Washington team, Although this game sets up very well, although it carries a hefty 50-point game total, Miami's favored by almost 10 points here. So how can 
the commanders force Miami's hand here to keep passing and keep Tyreek Hill engaged in this offense. One of those ways is for my, or for Washington to put up some points on the scoreboard. Logan Thomas here has a double digit target game back in week five and has found the end zone three times this season. This is a potential spot against a very zone heavy Miami defense for some additional targets to be filtered inside. So I like Logan Thomas here at only 3,600. So we have 5,650 per running back to make this roster work. Can we do it? Let's see here. The Pittsburgh backfield, I think, is one way where we can make this work. We have Jalen Warren, who was the starter, maybe, kind of, sort of, over uh, weeks 10 and 11, and then got vastly outplayed by backfield mate um, Najee Harris here last week. Najee Harris is continuing to be involved. Just he, he pierced 100 yards on the ground last week and then lost a yard to bring him down. So that 15.9 fantasy point performance would look a lot different if he added on that one yard and got up to 18.9 points. Anyway, we digress. This Pittsburgh Steelers team, for the first time in 59 games, put up 400 yards of total offense last week. They're now playing an Arizona Cardinals defense that allows teams to really do whatever they please here. So is it Jalen Warren? Is it Najee Harris? I would expect or want the up the per-touch upside of Jalen Warren in this type of build. Uh, and I think he makes a lot of sense. He was held out of the end zone last weekend. He lost that fumble, which could have contributed to him seeing only 13 uh, carries and three targets to the, I believe, 15 carries. Yeah, 15 carries of Najee Harris. But you look at that, Jalen Warren still saw more running back opportunities than Najee Harris. And we know that he is going to be more involved in the pass game. So, my lean here is to go back to Jalen Warren, and then that leaves us with, with 5,900. I think the guy that fits perfectly for us is Devin Singletary. You might think, why the hell would I play a running back against my defense on this roster as we're doing? Look at Devin Singletary, man. <clears throat> Damian Pierce returned to the lineup last week, but Devin Singletary still played over him, and was the primary running back. He has recent fantasy production of 26.1 points, 22.8, and 13.2 with that solid pass game role. So can he be viable for us? I think he can, and I think he can contribute through touchdowns or through, um, through his pass game involvement. And why we are playing the Denver Broncos is for the turnovers that they have generated over their last four games, a solid month of play against some pretty good teams here. So can we play the Denver Broncos and the opposing running back? I think we can because we're targeting turnovers with the Broncos to give them usable scores. Should one of those turnovers be turned into a touchdown that immediately gives the ball back to the Houston Texans 
and Devin Singletary. So I think it can work in this spot, particularly in this matchup. I think that we can play a running back with an opposing defense and we can do it smartly. And we kind of see how this roster came together. Now we had to save some salary at tight end at defense and at running back, but I think we can put this roster in play and feel good about it. Um, with this nice San Francisco double with exposure to the Miami and Washington game. And we get a roster that we can feel good about entering in GPPs. So there is your quick lineup build for week 13. Are there some other spots that we didn't get to talk about? Yeah, let's let's talk about those real quick. So looking at some of these other games that we kind of called out here, the Chargers and the Patriots, there's not a lot to love on the Chargers right now. We have Austin Eckler, who I think is very clearly playing with some type of injury. Still, we know that he came back um, in after some missed games earlier in the season. But Austin Eckler, man, the explosiveness is not there anymore. He was clocked two weeks ago against Green Bay. He was clocked running 13 miles per hour in the open field. Bruh, that is full, like worse than fullback level. Not sure what's going on there. That kind of removes Austin Eckler. Quentin Johnston is expected to return. We're not going to Quentin Johnston. Look at this. My goodness. Jalen Guyton, never been able to command targets. So that basically leaves us with Keenan Allen or Bust. With the current makeup of the Los Angeles Chargers against a Bill Belichick defense that we know is going to attempt to take away an opposition's top option becomes a little bit more difficult to stomach Keenan Allen's price tag here. Now take that in context of the dude has seen 14, 16 and 16 targets over the last three weeks because he is the offense right now. He is <laughs> everything runs through Keenan. So take that with a grain of salt. I think Keenan Allen, you can play him. I would prioritize Tyreek Hill on this slate. Looking at the Detroit Lions and the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans defense is good enough for me not to want to force any Lions pieces where it's basically Amon Ra St. Brown and then everybody else. And even then, Amon Ra St. Brown has exactly two games all season where he has put up 100 yards receiving and scored a touchdown. And his, I mean, take that into the context of week 12 was the first time all season that he did not put up 100 yards receiving or score a touchdown, and he still put up 95 yards. So he is one of the safest floor players in the league right now. That said, very unlikely that he puts up a score that you had to have at an 8,500 price tag knowing that he's only put up 100 yards receiving and scored a touchdown in two games this season. So the rest of the pieces in this Lions and Saints game kind of fall off the map for me as well, outside of A.T. Perry, Atlanta, and New York. No, thank you, dude. Jets defense is probably the best play from this game, uh, but they're priced all the way up at 3500 We talked about Arizona and Pitt. One other potential spot to save some salary here is with Greg Dortch. 
if and only if Michael Wilson is out because Greg Dorch has played 75% of the offensive snaps or more in the two games with uh, Michael Wilson out. We know that he continues to command targets when he's on the field, eight targets and nine targets in the past two weeks. So if a man Greg Dorch is on the field, we can expect him to be approaching double digit looks and he provides some salary relief for us at 3,700 Pitt, we talked about, well, I mean, I guess we got to talk about Patty, Patty F here, Pat Fryermuth, who just put up, he led, Pat Fryermuth led the slate in receiving yards last week <laughs> at 120 yards, man, uh, at 2,900. That is something that is interesting. That said, we know that kind of schematically the Arizona Cardinals defense is built to take away tight end production. Why is that? Because they're so crowded over the middle of the field. So I could see some people going back to Pat Fryermuth. I will not be one of them. I think you want to target the backfield here. I think you can target potentially uh, George Pickens for that per target upside. But I mean, look at this dude. I won't be going there. I'll be targeting the backfield and not much else. Indian Tennessee, I think you can go back to Derrick Henry smartly here. Um, but again, even in that two touchdown game, his um, very unlikely to put up 100 yards, only done it twice this season, uh, which at him, at his price, you most definitely need him to put up 100 yards rushing and score a touchdown. Jonathan Taylor is likely going to be extremely popular once again. I don't think that there is any reason to go uh, away from him in this spot. Uh, that said, he is saw a snap rate lower last week than his 88% snap rate that he saw two weeks ago. So that is a consideration. We talked about Miami and Washington. We talked about Denver and Houston, uh, Carolina and Tampa. This is one of those other interesting spots. Rashad White is priced at only 6,300 and has been one of the most consistent fantasy producers for us um, over the back half of the second half of this season. Look at this, 15.9, 17.9, 27.9, 17.8, 17.8, 16 points. Is that going to help you ship a GPP? Less likely, but the matchup kind of benefits him here. Um, and he, the pass game production or involvement is always going to keep him in play. That said, he is another guy who needs to pierce 100 yards on the ground, score a touchdown, and get enough pass volume to return something like three for 30 through the air to offset the need for multiple touchdowns. So can he do that in this spot against an extreme run funnel defense? I think he can. I think he is highly in consideration for us, um, and I think he can return some value. The other side of that is, can we potentially capture some upside through Bryce Young in this spot? He's priced at only 4900 We know that his entire, everything involved with the pass game was fired. <laughs> we know that the matchup against Tampa Bay is one of the more extreme pass funnel matchups in the league. So I think we could potentially take some shots on Mr. Bryce Young. I think you have to pair it with Adam Thielen, who has, golly, really, really disappointed lately. I think you can do it. I don't know, man. I don't know if we want to go to DJ Chark here. Four targets or fewer each of the previous four games. 
do we can we we can't go to Chenault? Do, can we go to Jonathan Mingo? Maybe it's tough. It's thin. But on the slate, if we're trying to get access to some of these top guys, I think Bryce Young does potentially carry some upside for us. We talked about San Francisco and Philly. Let's quickly talk about Cleveland. I just got done writing up for one of my other sites that I write for a piece saying basically the Cleveland Browns season is over. How can I say that when they're at seven and four? They still control their own destiny. Good God, man. Dorian Thompson Robinson and DJ Walker and even Joe Flacco, if they want to go there this week or moving forward, who was signed to their practice squad two weeks ago. These three quarterbacks, DTR, PJ Walker, are two of the most inefficient quarterbacks in the league this season. Like Zach Wilson level, bad, 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 bad. So can they, what we've seen with that inefficient play is it's placed additional stress on their defense. And we look at their defense, they started the season just absolutely bonkers, crazy good. Now they've run through this, this spot over the last two weeks where they're unable to generate turnovers, only one turnover in those two games. They're unable to generate those sacks, and they're really allowing teams, because they cannot possess the football on offense, to kind of just wear them down over time. We also had Denzel Ward miss last week. We had um, Miles Garrett have his arm in a sling. So you start taking away like the top two playmakers on this defense, and it's a lot more difficult for their extreme man coverage rates uh, to suppress production. So there's not a whole lot to like with this Cleveland offense. We, we also have some potentially more changing pieces. DTR got a concussion last week, so he's likely out. We know, we knew that like, at least there was some stability with David Njoku. Uh, who saw 24 targets over the last two games and has put up some very consistent fantasy production of late. I mean, double-digit fantasy points in six straight games. Um, But now with the potential for Joe Flacco, for P.J. Walker to be under center, introduces some more um, uncertainty. Uh, But that said, David Njoku at 4,100 potential. The other side of this game with the Los Angeles Rams we just got done talking about Cleveland playing the high, like well, the highest rate of man coverage in the league this season. Who are their man coverage beaters? Spoiler alert. It's not Puka Nakua who sees elite target rates against zone. It's Cooper cup who, Oh my God, dude, Cooper cup, dude, what is you doing, baby? Five consecutive games of single digit fantasy points. That is rough, dude, but it's primarily two, two at well. But the volume is highly unlikely to be there. So I don't like anybody from this game. I don't, I mean, even talking about Kyron Williams, who has one of the most robust workloads in the league. Um, even Kyron Williams in the spot, man, is difficult. You look at this rush yards per game, 105.9. It's very, very difficult in this spot for anybody to hit home. So that'll do it for us for today. We went over all the games. We built a lineup. And with that, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. As always, I'm Hilo. You know where to find me. Find me on Twitter. Ask any of those questions, man. I'll try and get them answered to the best of my ability. And with that, we'll see you next week for week 14.
Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.